At Rockland Trust, each relationship matters, and we know that your relationship with money may be complicated and may need some extra love and attention. But where do you start? I'm Julie Beckham, the Financial Education Officer at Rockland Trust, and this is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. What you should have done and could have done, didn't know and should have known, doesn't matter anymore. There's no use spending one more minute blaming or shaming yourself. Because really, with everything going on in the world right now, you don't have time to get down on yourself. And you don't deserve it. We're all in this together, starting now. And like I said, there's no shame in this money game. Welcome to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. I am super excited to be talking with my colleague, Joe Limberti. Joe has been in the mortgage business for more than 20 years, 15 as a loan officer and six as a producing sales manager, and is currently the vice president and general sales manager of the residential lending team at Rockland Trust. Joe not only manages 32 loan officers, he originates his own business with past clients and new homeowners. So this is one busy guy, especially now. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today, Joe. Julie, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk about the mortgage industry. Really excited to have someone on to talk about interest rates and mortgages and why everyone is going a little bit crazy about wanting to snag low rates while we have them. Can you kind of give us an overview of during this pandemic and this economic crisis, why mortgage rates are so low and why people are feeling this pull to refinance? A couple of reasons why we're seeing so many refinances. Obviously, interest rates are at historic lows. You can get 30-year fixed rates somewhere in the mid to low twos, uh, 15-year fixed in the low twos. So interest rates are so low that anyone that had an interest rate of 3.875, are going to be looking to refinance. When I hear the term historic lows, I think, really, how historic? Well, it turns out pretty historic. In the early 80s, interest rates were in the high teens, and in the 90s, they hovered between 7 and 10%, and they've been falling pretty consistently since then. If you're a visual learner, picture the side of a mountain. Aside from a few little ups and downs, it's been going down for years, and is currently the lowest it's ever been. One of the biggest upticks is um, people taking money out for home improvement loans. So they're refinancing the mortgage that they have and they're taking cash out to fix up the house. So I think that relates to a lot of people, as you know, are working remotely. So they're they're sitting at home, they're sitting in their office and they're looking out their window and they're saying, oh, I really need to put that deck on that I've been thinking about for 20 years. Or I need to paint my living room because they're at home more. So when people are at work all day, they home's kind of out of sight, out of mind, because they're focused on work, traveling to Boston or whatever type of commute that they may have. So when they're at home, they definitely want to see things improve, and it's at the top of their mind. So they've been refinancing like historic numbers, taking cash out for home improvements. That's the main reason why people are refinancing, lower interest rates or some type of home improvement loan. Sometimes people will refinance to take cash out and put it in the bank to save it or invest it in the market to use it maybe as a reserve. With rates being so low and home values being at a peak as well, there's a lot of equity in people's homes. So that's probably three reasons why people are refinancing. Right. This 
does make a lot of sense, Joe. But with all of this jib-jab and pressure to refinance, when do you know if it makes sense for you? Is there a, a rule of thumb? So it, it depends on on a few things. Obviously, if someone's just looking to do a straight 30-year refinance and they're at a loan of, say, for an example, a $425,000 loan at a 4% interest rate, that monthly payment's $2,029 a month. If they were to refinance that today at the current rate of 2625 $425,000 loan, that gives them a principal interest payment of 1707 a month, which saves them $322 less a month. So just that straight savings right there is, is a huge amount of money to save per month. Okay, I can actually hear some of you tuning out, and I know it is the fast talking, the numbers, the percentages, everything that makes you think, why do I even try to learn this stuff anyway? Breathe. They're just numbers. Hang in there. Start listening again. I got you. But more importantly, you've got this. If they have a 30-year, and they're, say, they're 25 years into the 30-year loan, then maybe going starting over again on a 30-year wouldn't be the best route for that type of homeowner. Right. Maybe that person would jump into a 25-year loan or a 20-year loan or maybe a 15-year loan to try to pay the loan off sooner because the shorter the term, meaning a 15-year mortgage or a 20-year mortgage is going to have a lower rate than the 30-year, but the monthly payment is going to be higher, but the life of the loan is cut in half. So, I mean, if you take the same loan of 425 and you break that down to a 15-year fixed at a rate of, say, two and a quarter, you're taking a 30-year loan, you're cutting it down 15 years over the life of the loan, and your payment only goes up. I'm going to say only, but it only you would think it only goes up $755 a month, but you're cutting your mortgage in half by 15 years, which is a huge amount of money to cut it in half. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that a lot of borrowers are doing, the way they're taking their mortgage and they're lowering the term from a 30 to a 15 or a 20. Okay, so if you're not a numbers person and you can't picture what Joe just described in a tidy little spreadsheet, let me break it down for you. The longer the term of your mortgage, the lower your monthly payment will be. However, you will pay more money over the life of the loan because it's a longer term loan. Lower term loans have lower interest rates and fewer years to pay, so you pay less throughout the life of the loan, but a larger payment each month. If this is still making your head spin, there are mortgage calculators online. You can find one and other fund finance calculators that do the work for you on Rockland Trust's website in the Learning Center. So to answer your question, there's a, there's a couple more points I want to follow up on, but obviously interest rate's going to be a big one. Another one's going to be if they are going to not be in the home for long term. A lot of people in the past have taken adjustable rate mortgage, or a lot of people called ARMS, which stands for adjustable rate mortgage, where the rate can be a lower rate to start. And then after a certain time frame, the rate can fluctuate up or down depending on what the market does. So for example, someone may have taken a five-year loan three years ago and say that rate was at 3.125 that rate is only fixed for five years. Then after that five-year period, the rate can adjust up or down. So if you have a 5-1 arm at 3.125 and you can get a 30-year fixed at 2.625, 
a lot of homeowners are getting out of the adjustable rates and jumping into the fixed because they're so low. A fixed rate mortgage is the most popular kind of mortgage because you know what you're going to get. You get the same interest rate every year for the life of the loan. An ARM, or an adjustable rate mortgage, has a lower initial interest rate for the fixed part of the loan, 3, 5, 10 years, depending on the loan, but then the rate adjusts to the market. You could see how this could get tricky, especially if you're on a tight budget. And with the uncertainty in the market and everything that's going on out there in, in the country and the world, a lot of people want to be more secure with a monthly fixed payment every month for the life of the loan. So a lot of people getting out of adjustable rates is another reason why people refinance. So what are the fees that are associated with refinancing? And when do you know if it's actually worth it for you to refinance? There are closing costs associated with the refinance. So people like, what's the break-even point? What's, what's not the break-even point? In the example I gave earlier where the $425,000 loan at the 2.625, the payment savings was three twenty two dollars a month. Typically, closing costs are roughly between, say, $2,800 and $3,300, depending on the loan amount. In that example, where they're saving $322 a month, it would take them about 10 months to recoup the closing costs. Now, they can roll the closing costs into the loan. So if their loan's $425, they can bump that up to $428, $429, whatever they need. Or they can pay that money out of their pocket. But it would take them about 10 months to recoup that cost of the closing costs. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great to know because you have options. You can roll in those costs so that they come out evenly over the term of the loan. Or you, can, if you have the cash up front, you can just get that out of the way and then just continue on with your mortgage payments. And a lot of people don't know that those are some options. Now, if you're wanting to do this and wanting to refinance for whatever, any of the reasons that you just spoke of, how do you get prepared for this? There's many things. The most important thing with any type of lending or, or particularly a refinance is going to be make sure your credit's in good shape. You know, you've been paying your bills on time and you on, you stay on top of it. You know, there's all these agencies out there you can use to monitor credit. We see them every day on TV or on the radio. So I, I, it's always good to monitor your credit. Your credit score is an important component of getting a good interest rate when applying for a mortgage. You can check your credit report to make sure your score is getting calculated correctly at annualcreditreport.com. There are many agencies that will provide you with your credit report, but annualcreditreport.com is free and secure. From there, you can check to see if there are mistakes and report them if needed. Your credit score is calculated from your credit report from different companies. If you want your actual credit score, check with your credit card company because some of them provide a free credit score in your monthly statement. So one is making sure that your credit is at a good score. Typically, I mean, scores can vary, but 680 or above typically will get you the best kind of rate on a mortgage. And then the value of your house is very important, meaning how much the house is worth compared to what you owe. So the more equity you have in your house, the better as well. Home equity is the difference between the appraised value of your home and the amount you still owe on your mortgage. To jump off of Joe's previous example, if you have a mortgage balance of $425,000 and your house is appraised at $700,000, you have $275,000 of equity in your home. So how do you know what the value of the house is? Well, you can look on Zillow, you could talk to a real estate agent, try to get a feel for what you think it's worth. But in most cases, we're gonna, the bank's going to send out an appraiser on the house to see what the value is. And typically, they 
will go into your house, they'll do a quick little inspection of the house, and then they'll look for what they call comps or comparables in the area. Typically, they don't go back any more than six months, and they'll try and look to see what's sold in that area that's a similar shape, size, age of house you have, and that's how they come up with the value of your house. One of the good things that's been happening with appraisals is that if you have enough equity in a house and there's been an appraisal on that house typically within the past three to four years and it's been tracked and logged into the system, the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac system, sometimes you can get a property inspection waiver, which is happening more and more now, where you don't even need an appraisal. Obviously, that saves you on closing costs, but it also saves you on time because one of the big issues that we've run into with with the pandemic is that appraisers you typically have to go into the house. And as you can imagine, a lot of people don't want people in their houses. So that can be a problem now as well, which is which does slow the turn time around when it comes to appraisals. But you know, there are people that don't want people in their house or they'll leave the house or sometimes appraisers don't want to go into houses either. So it's a matter of each person's situation, everyone's going to be different with that. Right. So, I mean, there are a lot of catch-22s in this, right? So you want to take advantage of these low rates. There are obviously barriers for what you just talked about. There might be barriers even finding a contractor to do the work that you want done in your house. But one really important barrier is those who might have been furloughed or are currently on unemployment or have been self-employed and and they might have great history of earning, but now due to the current situation are not. How does one overcome those barriers if they want to refinance or is there a way for them to do that? It's a great question and it's really sad. There's a lot of self-employed borrowers out there that own homes that are struggling just to keep their businesses open. So plenty of them looking to save money any way they can, and a refinance would be a great opportunity to do that. So to answer your first question, if someone was was put on furlough, typically they'd have to be back to work because what we're seeing now is more people that were, that were put on furlough at the beginning of the pandemic and now coming back to work. So as long as they're back to work and we can get a most recent pay stub to show that they're back to work, and even if their income's a little bit less, or maybe it could be more depending on how their furlough worked, as long as they're back to work and the income that they're making where they're back to work qualifies, typically that's not a problem. We can use that income to refinance. If they're on furlough, they're gonna not going to be able to refinance because we don't know if they're going to be going back to work. So obviously you need to have some type of income coming in to, to, know, to qualify for a mortgage. Self-employed borrowers is a total different animal. Self-employed borrowers, typically what we look for is two years of tax returns, personal or business, and we usually would take a 24-month average of that income, and that's what we would use for the income to qualify. A lot of these borrowers may be someone that might work in a restaurant or works in a hair salon or something that's been really impacted by, we could go on forever, right, Julian, talk about all the companies. So typically what we do is we would look for an up-to-date profit and loss statement from the borrower or from the CPA to show that they've been surviving and, and still making income. It doesn't have to be equal to what they made, but it has to be close. Someone, for an example, was making $100,000 a year as a self-employed hairstylist, and now they're making $10,000. That's going to be a hard one to, to sell to get a bank or a mortgage company to, to look at that. But a current profit and loss would help. And then any type of receipts or type of anything they could provide to show that they're still making income, we'll do the best we can 
to try and make the loan work. Because a lot of these self-employed borrowers are also borrowers we work with at the bank. You know, Rockland Trust is a huge bank that does a lot of commercial loans. And we want to do whatever we can to help our customers, especially where you know, Rockland's slogan is where relationships matter. And that's very important when it comes to home lending, commercial lending. We will do whatever we can to try and help someone who's self-employed because we understand that the times they're going through, what they're losing on income on a daily and monthly basis, it's just, it's actually sad to think about what, how big of an impact this has on self-borrowers. It's probably the number one thing we see is self-employed borrowers struggling the most. Yeah, it definitely seems like an environment of extremes, right? Extreme low rates, extreme unemployment. Now, besides refinancing, what other loan products have increased in number because of the low interest rates this year? Home purchases has definitely skyrocketed, which is great. The issue with that is that home values are so much higher now, too. Yeah. So there's not tons of inventory out there. So when something comes on, there's bidding wars. You might be a first-time buyer looking at a house, say, in, let's just say, Carver, Mass, and it's listed for 300 and you go to make an offer, and you got 15 people making offers on the house. That price is going to go from 300 to 330 to 340 because everyone's going to be competing to get that under agreement, which is, you know, it's great for sellers because sellers can sell at the higher price. I don't think it's great for buyers because they could be overpaying for a house that it really isn't worth that price just because they have that desire to, to get out of the city or, or get into a house and get the low rate that they wanted to. So that's something to consider where home values have definitely, definitely been on the rise with competing offers makes it, I deal with a lot of buyers out there and it, it can be frustrating. I have buyers that make offers six, seven, eight, nine different homes and they keep losing out because they're being outbid. And sometimes I hear the numbers that are they're being outbid. It's just, I can't believe that houses are going for that high. This goes back to the basics of supply and demand. Interest rates are low, so people want to buy houses. But people aren't necessarily moving out of their houses at a high rate, so the supply is low. Low supply, high demand makes for higher prices. Or the phrase, a seller's market, might sound familiar as well. Home equity loans are, are very popular. A home equity loan is different than a refinance. It's uh, pretty much like a second mortgage on your house. It's kind of like a line of credit where you take it out in your house and it's sort of like a big credit card where you only pay back what you borrow. So if you have a line of credit for 100 and you only use 25 of it, you're only paying back on the 25, but you have access to the 100. So that's another route that uh, a lot of people are doing as well would be home equity loans. Those are usually adjustable and they're based on prime, which can move up or down. So those are attractive as well, but there's definitely more people doing the mortgage refinance because that's a longer term and it's, it's something that's fixed for the life of the loan. Do you have any words of wisdom to anybody who is just out there thinking that they, A, want to buy or B, want to refinance? Anything that, that you've learned through this rush of people really looking for these services? My recommendation would be work with somebody that surrounds himself with a good team, has a good operations team, has a good connection with an attorney, and someone that's going to return your messages, whether it's email, text, phone call. Someone's going to keep you informed throughout the process instead of someone that takes your loan application and then you don't hear from them for 60 days and you're wondering what's going on. That can obviously be stressful. But I would just say work with someone that is going to keep you informed what's going on and make sure they set the expectations to you up front. 
So if the loan process is taking 60 days, the loan officer should say it's taking 60 days. So then the customer knows what to expect up front. It's something that's very important that I always tell the, the team that, that I work with is I set the expectation up front. We have great programs, great rates, and great service. The timing of it could be a little bit longer. It, it is everywhere. But if you set the expectation up front and tell the borrower you're going to save $350 a month, it could take up to 60 days, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, depending on there's a whole mess of things that go in the middle of this. Have some patience. Be calm. They'll get done because all these industries, banking companies and mortgage companies, they're all closing record numbers. So they're getting done for sure. It's just have some patience and work with a reputable company and a loan officer that's been doing it for a while. It's always a good tip as well. It seems though patience is really the operative word in a lot of the things that are current lately. I mean, we we have to have patience throughout this whole pandemic when it comes to everything from this mortgage process, from getting kids back into school in whatever form that is, and waiting for a vaccine. So it, it seems as though the word of the day or the word of the year could be patience, and that might help us. I agree, and that's one of the problems we all know with everything at your fingertips now, with cell phones and texting and all the stuff, no one has patience anymore, as you know. And especially everyone's on edge and alert right now with what's going on in the country with all these different things that we're dealing with, that patience is something that is not something that people are naturally, I think, good at. I'm not. I like things to be done quick, 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 quick. And everyone has to understand that it's it's going to take some time and it, it'll get done. And this is a huge financial thing. It's usually the biggest financial thing in someone's life. So the stress level is even higher mm-hmm. because they're borrowing so much money and it's their, it's their house, it's their home. And how important is home now than it ever was before? I mean, home's important anyway, but now I feel like it's the most important thing is people's homes and having that space to be with you and your family and be able to socially distance and teach your kids the right things and everything that I think that it just makes it, it just makes it harder for people to have patience because like, I want this now, I want this now, I want this now. So that's where it falls into place where they, Patience is a great is a great word to use. That just have patience. It'll everything usually gets taken care of over time. Exactly. Well, it's a great message to to just think about every day as well. Well, you know that this podcast has a, a bit of a gaming aspect. It is the No Shame in This Money Game podcast. So I'm going to spin my spinning wheel here and get a random question for you. Okay. So here we go. All right. Describe a job that you've had in your life that still influences how you work today. Well, that's a great question. I feel like I've been doing mortgage banking forever. So (laughs) I used to work at a coffee shop in downtown Hingham. I learned a lot from that place. One of the things I I learned, it was very fast paced. It was all about relationships. It's funny. I knew everyone that came in. So I knew when I saw Sherry that I knew that she wanted a latte with skim milk, or if I saw Bill, I knew he wanted an iced coffee. So it was always a relationship and it was always being prepared when they were coming in to get them in and out of there as quick as possible. And I can relate that to being a loan officer and also being a manager. Being a loan officer, the good loan officers out there in the industry know what to expect and know how to jump on things before it becomes a problem. So if they're looking at a tax return and they see that there's a loss or there's a question, they'll be proactive enough to be able to know, okay, I need to jump on this and ask the borrower this question before it gets to an underwriter. So if that makes sense, I kind of compare that to the coffee shop where 
when I would, there could have been a line of 20 people out, out the door and I could look in line and see 10 people that I knew that were in the back of the line. And I just knew to be prepared. Okay. They're, they're going to get closer. I got to start making their coffee. I, I had to be proactive and jump on this. So when they get to the head of the line, their coffee's there and they're ready to go. I hope that makes sense. No, that makes sense. No, it's great. I mean, I think it's those beginning jobs that you have that really do influence how you work because you, you can't forget that. You don't forget those interactions and you don't forget what works. Yep, and it's always people. It's it, No matter what anyone says, and, and I know you know this better than anyone, Julie, but it's always people. There might be dollar signs behind it. There could be a mortgage. There could be an appraisal. There could be a checking account, but it's always the people. It's interacting with people successful loan officers, and I would say anyone in, in business, you have to remember there's a person on the other end of this transaction. It's not just a dollar number. It's it's someone's livelihood. It's someone's house. So that that's very important. I take I try and make sure my, my team takes pride in that. And it, this is a great lead into the last question. Since Rockland Trust is the bank where each relationship matters, as you mentioned, if you could use one word to describe your relationship with money, what would it be and why? I'd say evolving. I'd say that I'd use the word evolving because um late 40s, so when I was younger, money was different. I didn't own a home. I didn't have any children. So the money that I earned would go towards going to a football game or buying a fancy car or going off a dinner. And then when I got a little bit older, I got married and I have two beautiful kids. And now my money is going towards the house and saving it towards college and obviously homeschooling. So buying them nice iPads, they can use it for homeschooling, <laughs> which wasn't uh, something I expected to do, but obviously with homeschooling, something we're all doing. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say money and my relationship with money is, is evolving and still evolving now. And I think in the next stage of my life, it'll be, I'm always building towards retirement, but I'll focus on that more. I mean, my kids are young still, so I have a long way to go, but I would say evolving would be the word that I would use and how money relates to me. Awesome. Well, this has been great, Joe. I really think you gave our listeners a lot of insight into what a low interest rate can do for them if they're homeowners, if they're looking to buy, and just giving them a a little bit of insight into what they need to know and be prepared in case that that's the direction they're going in. So thank you so much for being on this today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And obviously, always great to talk to you. Thanks, Joe. Thank you for listening to the No Shame in This Money Game podcast, brought to you by Rockland Trust, member FDIC, equal housing lender. My name is Julie Beckham, and yes, I do take requests. So be sure to email your personal finance questions and curiosities to me, your host and your educator, at julie.beckham at rocklandtrust.com.